We're live, baby. So how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, James? This is our first podcast. I like the first. It's kind of weird because, you know, it's, I feel like you have to be somewhat... Um, on your best behavior. Yeah. I hate being on my best behavior. Well, we don't have to. So how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend. It was... Uh, you know, I had an interesting experience on the weekend, and, and I want to share it with you. Um, I was um, going to drop off a um, survey on Friday, and um, I also had to go to Kroger, which was in the shopping center next to the title company that... survey and um, I parked in Randall Shopping Center to drop off so I could run across the sidewalk, drop off my survey, and then go into, um, I'm sorry, Kroger, not Randall's, to do my shopping. And as I'm getting ready to cross the sidewalk, this this um, large rotund man rolls down his window in a security guy uniform and says, I'm sorry, sir, you can't go to that building from this parking lot you have to drive around and park in their parking garage and I said was it because of a certain way that you looked or what no no apparently there's rules that you can't park in that parking lot and go to this big office building even though it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and 85% of the parking lot was empty so um, and I said, okay, you know, I said, but I, I, I was going to shop at Kroger, you know, I just was going to kill two birds at once and drop off my survey and go shopping. He goes, I, I'm sorry, I can't let you. And I said, okay, I'm cool. I'm a, I'm a rule keeper. And so I went and dropped my survey off in my car and I went, was walking towards Kroger. But as I was walking into Kroger, there are these guys that are selling shrimp out of the back of their pickup truck out of ice chest. Okay, this is the worst. Shrimp. I think that's the worst idea that you can ever have is buy <laughs> shrimp. From a guy's a truck. truck. And so... That's um, like a salmonella waiting to happen. Absolutely. It's it's deadly. So I noticed this, and I'm thinking, well, Kroger can't be happy about guys selling shrimp out of the back of their truck in front of their building. So I yeah. turn around on my heels, and I go back to this security guy that wouldn't let me cross the sidewalk, and I said, excuse me, sir, um, there's some guys selling shrimp in front of Kroger's. That, that, that cannot be a good thing. You know, so I, I, you know, you should probably do something about that. To which the guy says, well, I, I don't work for Kroger. I, I, um, I, I just work for this dress shop. I said, I said, oh, okay, wait. You, you work for dr- the dress shop. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not parking in the dress shop's parking place. So you switched over from I'm, shrimp to the parking, <laughs> to, my, to, yeah, back, to back to parking. Again. So I said, I'm parked in, in Kroger's parking lot. Okay. So why are you stopping me from crossing those sidewalk bit? And he goes, he goes, well, no. I mean, I work for the shopping center. Oh, okay. And I said, okay. So who do you work for? You work for the shopping center? Or you work for the dress shop? And I said, wait. I, I, and what I turned point? on my iPhone and I turned on the video part and I said, before you answer, who do you work for? And he goes, sir, you can't take me. I go, no, 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 no. Yes, I can. I, so I at what point it. did it come down to you and he rolling around on the ground? We did not roll around on the ground because this guy, again, is road time. He weighed about 450 pounds, and so I you, don't think he could get out of his car. You would not be able to take him on. No, but I could run faster than him. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
These days, I mean, anybody can just pull out a uh, phone and a camera and, and absolutely, and so you absolutely. got to be you got to be ready for yeah, that. Yeah, so I took out my phone and camera and and I made him tell me who he worked for, and he said that he worked for the shopping center, and I said, so it's are these guys selling shrimp your problem? And he said it wasn't his problem. And I, I turned you. back on my heels and I went right into Kroger and I went to the customer service desk and I said, excuse me, you've got people outside of your store selling shrimp out of a pickup truck. It, and um, your security guard outside doesn't seem to think that's his problem. She goes, really? And I showed her my video where he said it wasn't her problem and she was out from behind that desk and across the parking lot. To the the only thing that would make that story better if those guys were working for the Kroger Seafood Department. That would be great. That would be, yeah, and that they would were face on me. And, and, and they were just they were just taking shrimp from from the cooler at Kroger, driving around and selling it over there. It would be that would be like shop. What is that like shoplifting? But don't you store? ever you know do, do you ever think of you know when you're going on. Um, when you're showing houses, do you ever feel like that you can be, you know, videotaped secretly? Not that you're going to be doing anything wrong, but but at the same time, you know, if if I'm doing presentations, you know, I'm I'm almost I almost have to feel like you know there could be someone, you know, taping you, so that way, you know, you're very you're very cognizant of doing the right thing. Absolutely. Always. Not yeah. that you wouldn't do them. In the first place, but at the same time, you know, it's like, well, here's what you said before. So you got to, you got to be, you know, you got to do it the right yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And in, with today's technology, oftentimes you are under the, the cameras of the seller. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, I mean, when you're showing the house, um, when you're doing open houses, oftentimes you are. So you do have well, to be on your best behavior. What has been the craziest thing that has ever happened to you? And Because a lot of times, you know, you hear different stories of what, you know. And I know that in, in most cases it's kind of a vetted process. But, I mean, um, what's, the, what's the craziest thing that has ever happened to you where you just told you by surprise and you're looking at looking at the you know like looking at the buyer and saying what the hell are you doing is that ever, well what has happened um, with my buyers or? well buyers or you know someone that's the, that you're doing a showing for and completely <sighs> kind of takes you out of that uh, out of the norm um gosh um yeah um various things happen you know every showing is different you know, when you show with a buyer, you know, I, I try and start off with your must-haves and things that you just absolutely don't want. I try and line up everything with, um, according to what you must have first and what you definitely do not. You know, some people don't want carpet because of allergies or um, dirt or they just don't want to care for it. And that's, that's totally understandable or they don't want certain kinds of tile floor because the grout stinks. Yeah, but that's that's all. They're normal. But you know, like all of a sudden, you know, you're showing somebody's house and and they're just taking their clothes off in the middle of the showing or something because they want to get comfortable, you know, and then see how they would be, you know. I I, I haven't had anything that crazy. Um, I have had uh, I've had people that have walked into. Oh, I'll tell you the strangest thing I've had. Um, I was in um, Spring, and apparently there was a girl that was killed and stuffed in a chimney, and I did not know this, and it was not on the seller's disclosure, and it wasn't on any of the paperwork that I had 
and the house had just gone on market. And um, my sellers and I got out of the car, and as we're walking to the to unlock the door, neighbors started walking towards us in the house. It was kind of like a children of the corn situation. With pitchforks and stuff. And, well, it was just, it was weird. It was just yeah. everybody in the neighborhood just started walking towards us. Yeah. And um, from kids to adults. And my, and, and my clients were looking at me like, you should probably hurry up and open the door. And They were freaked out a little bit. We all were. We all were. I mean, it's, it's unusual that a group of people would walk towards you when you're walking into a house. Yeah, and so I finally got the super box open, but right as I was putting the key in, this this ten year old little girl got to us and 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 um, had said, um, "My friend died in that house. They found her in the chimney." And then my clients looked at me, and I was like, "I do not know anything about that." I yeah, did not did. know anything about that. Well, let's get out of here. And but my clients were like, "Well, yeah, let's go in." <laughs> that kind of freaked me out because my yeah. clients were then at that point more anxious to see. But the thing is, I mean, you, you never know what you know. You never know what's going to happen. But a lot of times, you know, when when you don't you don't you feel like when you meet someone for the first time, you kind of know if you're going to get along with them. I mean, there's some people that. You either get along with or not, and you know, and you, you, for me, I automatically know if it's going to be a problem individual, and um, you know, a lot of times, I mean, especially now for me, I'm at a point where I, I want to work with people that I like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So if you, most of my clients, the ones that I gravitate towards, I mean, I can tell that. You know, it, it's 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 a personal. It's on a personal level we can communicate. You know, it's a it it becomes more of a kind of a friendship. You right. know, and if there is a lot of friction just from the beginning, it's just going to be difficult. You know, it's yeah. going to be difficult, and they just need to find someone else who, you know, who they mesh with. The hardest thing is when you have to fire a client. Um, it's and and it, fortunately, I've never been fired or, or, or let go. Yeah. Um, I, I have had to let go of clients. And it, it's when you have your initial meeting with a client, that's, that's part of it is that you sit down with them and you have a conversation about how, how you work, how they work, how you work in conjunction with each other. And, and you set those groundworks that you're a partnership. Yeah. You know, um, I, I work with you. We're a partnership. We're taking a journey together. These are our rules to work together. And, and these are objectives. These yeah. are what you do. This is what I do. And this is how we come together. And, uh, you know, there's been a couple of occasions where, you know, if your client crosses the line or doesn't uphold their part, you do have to when it starts affecting your other clients or your work for other clients or your own morale, you do have to turn around and say, is this worth it? Is this worth? But sometimes, you know, for people, you know, some people have, let's say, strong political beliefs mm -hmm. or strong, and I know that, you know, in many cases, we try to be kind of as neutral as possible. Right. But a lot of times, you know, 
it's difficult. It it's is. difficult to be. You know, they can they can have certain social views, social political views, social religious views, and and uh, you know, sometimes you, you kind of have to navigate. You do. And I and I think as as I as I get older, I'm able to navigate those things better because before I think I was too you know too eager to tell them what I think and at the end of the day it really doesn't go anywhere because because for one thing you're not going to change their view that's number one number two you know if you state your view and it is completely opposite from what they're thinking then you know you're working on on the wrong you're you're going in the wrong direction right and for some reason if you are on the same you know on the same field and you're and you're and you view things the same way well it just puts you exactly where you started from so there's no there you know that there I, I don't think there's any you know any positive how, so how, how do you navigate around that yeah it's 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 difficult um you know it's it's hard to it's hard i mean you do have to be a vanilla popsicle in a neapolitan ice cream world sometimes you have to maintain the neutrality especially when you have couples that don't agree um and, and i'm sure you run into that because um you know how do you handle it as a financial advisor you've got um, husbands and wives that have different viewpoints on what to do with money. Well, and for me, yeah, but if they have different viewpoints, that's 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 fine. That's one thing, and and we try to navigate that, and we try to get together. But if they disrespect one each other, and one talks to the other one in a disrespectful way, a lot of times that's not going to be a client. It's just not now. If they if they disagree, um, you know, and you see it all the time. If they disagree about you know a specific feature of the house, or uh, one wants one thing, the other, so it's kind of your job to mediate mm-hmm. and explain the benefits of this, the benefits of that, and and try to help them come to the middle the middle ground. Because a lot of times, you know, when one says this and the other one says that they're coming from a you know a lot, a lot of times uh, the information of not really knowing exactly how these things work you know i don't want to lose anything you know well that's not really unreasonable in many cases so in your case you kind of have to be this mediator and help them my negotiations happen oftentimes with the couple long before it happens with the buyer and the seller yeah um, I, um, you know, and one spouse will oftentimes go emotionally and then they'll act on emotion and then turn it logically. Mm-hmm. Or the other one's coming at it logically and then gets emotional about it. Mm-hmm. And you have to work with those two things until mm-hmm. they come to a logical solution long before you make the first offering to the seller. Well, I mean in your case and I think and and as you know, you know, as you and I go through different different if you look at different properties and things like that, sometimes 
you know, I can see in your case, the emotions kind of start playing into because, you know, you look at a, um, you know, specific uh, home, property, whatever it may be, and you start kind of playing this playing this movie in your head how is it going to be to live there you know how's it going to be you start trying to picture yourself in this place you know and and you know and you start thinking about oh you know how's it how's it going to be on weekends you know coming home from work this that the other neighbors so a lot of times if if all of a sudden that picture has played out in your mind then it, it a lot of times like I think it it overwhelms the logical and the financial aspect you know it can you can you can say oh, you know oh this is this is a great area great neighborhood blah 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 oh you know and then you kind of fall in love with that property and 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 and, and then you try to justify why you know you can afford this rather than the other way around find a find a thing that you can afford and then you know find something that you like within your budget I, I, you probably see it all the time too absolutely absolutely i mean i will have a client that is well it's especially with couples you know we'll, i'll have you know the the wife that has to have the specific kitchen that's open to the world so she doesn't get trapped away from the guests but doesn't get trapped in the kitchen with the guests mm-hmm. and the husband that has to have the garage with the workspace and um, the self-maintaining backyard that requires little maintenance but enough maintenance that you know he can still get out and, and work the earth and and cook out there and play out there and and um, so you have to make the two compromises but he's looking at it from a money point of view and then you get the other couple that watch too much HGTV and and want that fixer-upper but they really don't understand how much money goes into the fixer-upper and you have to break that down for them and so you really have to go in and educate yourself on price point and how much it's going to cost for them to turn that and make that into a viable property and you have to understand who your client is because if it's someone that's an HGTV fixer-upper for the first time and they're looking at something in a price point that is too high for them to put all the work into it, they're planning that they're never going to recoup their investment, you don't want to set them up for failure and you have to have that conversation with them as you're walking through, you know, because they can walk through and and it looked like a bomb's gone off. You say, you know, by the time you've done everything that you're planning on, this house is going to be too expensive for you to sell. Yeah, yeah. This has to be your last place to live. But it's crazy how, you know, I I see it now, this kind of a current or the baby boomer generation, you know, um, they really, you know, try to put put in all the bells and whistles in their current home they need this they need that whereas you know the generation before them the ones that are now in their 80s 70s they hardly did anything to their homes they just they lived in the same place they you know and many times everything is original Mm -hmm. you're not gonna find any you know Bosch appliances Mm -hmm. in there or you, you you know uh, sub zeros anything it's gonna be 
barely cranking out you know GE thing from from 1965 so they just and they saved you know yeah. here you know the baby boomers they come in and you know they want this that stainless steel that self-closing this or want that and they just you know it's completely completely different mindset don't you see that I do I do and you know I for instance I have a house that the, the couple bought 41 years ago when it was brand new and the only thing you know they replaced basics you know they've always maintained and and kept the you know the roof you know gets replaced when it needs to be replaced the water heater gets replaced they've always maintained the foundation you know painstakingly you know they've always kept it wet around the um, side um, so it never, you know, they blocked, and stuff you know, like, they yeah. blocked, they did cement blocks around the tree roots so it didn't encroach upon the um, roots. They um, replaced the air conditioning. They um, always kept up on the insulation, the manageable things, anything, you know, the smart stuff. But these are people that grew up during the Depression. These are people that grew up and, and during hard times when they knew to save. And you know they still save beer cans and aluminum. They yeah. they still recycle. They they do things for the war effort, even though there's not war effort. But they don't do anything fancy mm-hmm. as far as well. Like the fanciest that. thing you know that they do is buy a new towel set every ten years. You know, and yeah. that's that's it. And and they save for their grandkids and they save for this. But you know the interesting thing is that you know going back to the senior care advisors that you know you and I serve on the board with, they don't plan beyond retirement and and because they are afraid to have that conversation with their families yeah and they're afraid to sit down and have one meal that says i don't know what i'm going to do yeah with the rest of it and that's the scariest conversation and and um that makes me sad because all, all of a sudden families are put into a predicament where um, they're having to choose between do I put mom and dad into a nursing home or do I send my kid to college? Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, I, I've got, you know, that same house is, you know, this woman who had to take a reverse mortgage to get her grandchild out of trouble. Yeah. You know, so now she can't rely on her mortgage to get her through assisted living. Yeah. And I'm not sure that her family is going to be able to support her when she... Um, needs it. How do you see? I mean, yeah, I mean, you work for you work for a company that you know has lots of different agents. Do you see? Do you see a lot of people kind of come and go? Do you see a lot of a lot of you know turnover people? I think you know one of the things. Um, oh yeah, and I forgot to tell you know you were talking about the uh, house hunters and all the all those shows. You know, and and you know, I'll be I'll be the one to admit I don't I don't watch them enough, so I don't know if that. But I, I saw this thing, somebody sent me a post, kind of a um, post about something about um, you know here's a couple looking for a looking for a house. Uh, he is uh, uh, he's training hamsters for a living, and she is you know. Um, uh, some type of a social worker. Oh, what's your budget? Seven hundred thousand. That's like you know, kind of a those house hunter shows where you know they have crazy budgets, and when you're like looking at those people, like, well, where are you getting that cash? You know what I mean? Right. But um, but on the other on the other note, um, 
do you see do you see a lot of people kind of come and go because they see you know they see these di- different shows and they see you know how much money can be made in um you know being an agent and things like that you know those crazy ass shows I, yeah yeah the the um do-it-yourselfers riding the boat with the sexy women it's like you too can be rich like me no 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 I'm, I'm t- and I'm talking about the, the reality shows now you know yeah, the, the millionaire listing agents from New York or LA that there's only two guys that that do this and that's because their dad started the businesses a long time ago and they're well placed in society and they only you know it, it's great to to it's great to admire and to aspire to yeah. such positions but you know in our company you know we we're the third most successful um, Keller Williams within our um, our in the, within our company mm-hmm. which is great I mean you know Keller Williams is the largest um, real real estate franchise. Um, in the United States, we have 52% of the market. Uh, we have 705 agents just in our office. But we also, you know, right now, we bring in about 100 a year. But don't you think... And we that, lose about 100 yeah, but a that, year. Because, I mean, don't you think a, a lot of the... Or uh, there's there's a lot of people that kind of dabble at it part-time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, the, and, that, and that's... And there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. if you... You know, um, it's that's that's part of doing. You know, being your own boss and doing whatever you want to do. Sure. So if if somebody you know wants to do it part time and they want to have every weekend off and they want to, you know, go to kids games and stuff, you can do that. Absolutely. It, it just your output is going to be very much consistent with your input. Sure. So, um, but with that with that aside, you also see a lot of people come and go, right? You do. You do. You see, I mean, real estate from the outside looking in looks like a very easy profession. And it, it can be easy at times. If you live your life and you actively let everyone in your life know that you're a realtor, then you can rely pretty well on a referral base. But you have to actively let people know that you are a realtor. You can go to your soccer games and with your kid, and I encourage that. And just make sure everybody on your kid's soccer team knows that you're a realtor. Yeah. And then they'll pass the word, and, you, and you've got a good referral base there. And you've got a good referral base at school, and you've got a good referral base at everything that you're going to. And you've got to have open houses, and you've got to really educate yourself so you can educate your clients so you know what you're talking about but at the same time you know there's so many people there's so many i think there's a lot of competition you know yeah so i I think in that in that regard i think you guys have a hard time i mean and, and every i think any profession where you can make money mm-hmm. uh, and in some cases a lot of money that's going to attract a competition it does so, so with that you just have to get better and better and better and you know you have to find ways to make yourself different to, to make yourself stand out and, and that's I think that that's where a lot of people have a hard time 
what I've uh, you know hard time doing. I agree. You you have to be able to use the tools that are inside the box that everybody uses, but you also have to be able to work outside of the box. Yeah. And and be creative, just just like in any profession. If you're if you can paint, that's a great thing. You you'd be wonderful for walls and ceilings and everything else. But if you can paint and put it on canvas and put it in a museum, that's even better. You're gonna make more money. And um, it's, it's a matter of being able to, again, it comes down to educating. It, it comes down to being able to market yourself yeah. as much as you're able to market a house and, and connecting yourself not only to the client, but it, it takes time to listen. It, it's, it's understanding your client's needs and being able to find that because everybody's needs are different when they're shopping. But you know, and, and also a lot of times, and, and for me, it's 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 really, you know, whether I look for someone who is fixing my car or selling a home, you know, I appreciate when someone just really shoots straight with me, you know, uh, and and you know, and brings value to what I'm trying to do, and maybe, you know. Especially when something you know you know you're dealing in something that you're not doing day to day. Mm -hmm. So you know, for most people, they're not doing this day to day. So it's really you know coming from a from a place of educating and really keeping them out of really crazy trouble. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the worst thing you can do is is I think. You know recommend or do something and and as a buyer or seller sell or buy and and later on figure out that you know you made that was a mistake yeah do you know what i mean i have a strong fiduciary responsibility to my clients yeah that's number one i i have to make sure that if i'm selling their house i'm getting them the most money the most value for their property and i'm leaving them with the strongest contract yeah. the strongest um, you know and I'm giving them the strongest support that I possibly can all the way through I've negotiated the best deal I've I've given them the strongest support I've built the best team for them to lead them from the minute I've started the contract all the way through closing and actually beyond um, and it's the same way with the buyer that I've negotiated the best deal for them I've made sure that they've got all the warranties that they need to get them through when I'm not there and and that 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 we've done the right inspections, that we've made sure that that house is as solid as it possibly can be, and that going through, they have no worries. Yeah. And because I, I, I and it's, it's part self selfish and it's part customer service. I am a customer service guy. I go, I travel across town to my bank because my bank knows me. Yeah. I walk in the door, they hand me my coffee the way that I like it. They take my paperwork. They go do my banking. They come back 
with my receipt and a fresh cup of coffee, I hop in my car and I go. Yeah. My pharmacy I've been with for 30 years because they know me, they know my family, they know what's going on. They never let me down. I want to be that to my clients. I want to be that person that they come to that I know their kids, I know their pets, I know their family, I know what's going on in their lives. So they know to come to me when they need that kind of service. But it's, but it's really, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, especially now, there, there's so much information about every pretty much every topic you know if you if you want to find you know information on anything it's 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 an arm's length away I mean we're walking around with you know a million Encyclopedia Britannica's in our pocket right now mm -hmm. so there's I, I feel like there's so much information in a way it's a good thing because you know, people are empowered more now than they ever have before. But it's almost now it's it's become, you know, the, the the pendulum kind of swung to the other side. Whereas there's so much information, there's so much stuff out there, and it's exponentially being added every single minute every, of every single day. So, in some cases, some people. They, they pretty much kind of throw up their arms and say, you know what, I just need someone to filter all of this down for me and make mm -hmm. it really simple and I'm willing to pay for that. Right. I'm willing to pay for, you know, someone telling me exactly because my time is more valuable. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, well, first off, that information that's on our little iPads and our our little iPhones and our computers not all of it's the truth a right. lot of it's myth and and it's hard to differentiate which is which which is why you need a professional to tell you I I don't pretend to go and diagnose medical conditions because that's beyond my pay grade I don't go out and tell you what's wrong with your car because I'm not a mechanic and I would do you more harm than good I, I study and educate myself as best as I can keep up on the information because it's important for me to provide my clients with the truth and the proper information so that they can make the best decision based on their needs yeah just like just like you do in the financial yeah um, industry yeah and if we don't if we don't keep educating ourselves and we don't keep ourselves abreast then we're failing to serve our clients in the best way that we can um, with regards to um, the technologies that you mentioned, there are some great technologies that we can use that can help benefit our clients. You know, we've got our apps, we've got search engines, we've got those things. Our clients are free to look for homes online and that's that helps serve the the needs. It's not the the one of the things that is the best way that, that I can educate my clients, it's it's the lowest thing that I can do is to hop online and look for a house for you. You can do that. You can hop online and, and look on an MLS, which is a multiple listing service, and look at all the houses and find the houses that you like that fit, and I can let you in the door. You know, I've got the, I've got the secret key that lets you in the door. 
what you can't do is write the contract, mm -hmm. negotiate it, um, take it to closing, um, get that inspector in there, the right inspector. But, but you know, but at the same time, this 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 online access to MLS, I feel like, you know, for someone like you, that has probably saved you hours and hours and hours of driving client. If, can you imagine without that, without them being able to uh, sit on maybe in the evening for hours and looking through, you would be having to drive them to all those Absolutely. Places. Do you know, like 15, 20 years ago, there was a lady that used to have to drive around and drop off these, I'm holding on my finger, these like eight inch thick giant mm -hmm. notebooks of nothing but listing pages every day to every real estate office that would then have to get distributed amongst every real estate agent within that office by that broker that we would have to go through and yeah. they didn't come with pictures they yeah. just came with like these little dot matrix descriptions yeah. and we would have to imagine what this house looked like call the person and, and read it to them and go does that sound like something you'd like and then go look at it and it may not be anything that it looked like yeah so so picture you know and I'm and, and, and I always try to kind of foresee how my industry is going to be affected but you know I can see in in your in your industry fast forward X number of years you're putting on your glasses and you're walking through that home you're not you're not driving we have it now it's called Matterport you can actually hop online when you go to MLS like to any of my listings you can click on into a virtual walkthrough of the house where you're literally walking through the house you can walk up the stairs you can walk through the kitchen you can you can it's a full kind of 3d like a three, experience 360 view or it's absolutely you walk through the house and you can and, and you can turn around in the house you can go out the back door you can go to the apartment upstairs you can you can do anything just like walking through the house you don't have to leave your office to walk through a house and then if you like it it's good to call and and set up an appointment and then go walk through it yourself but it saves you that extra those extra and, steps and, and this is what we we're talking about with technology being you know that's we're in the just in the first inning of that technology it's amazing we're talking about well you know pretty soon that's going to affect you know you're going to be you're going to feel like you're walking through that house yeah you know, it's going to feel like that but i see how you know just in the just in the years while, while I've been in my industry and I see you know technology changing it changing so much where I you know the the simple transactions are really done by by my clients online now now mm -hmm. I am because of because of technology I am moving into more complex deals complex transactions it's more on you know tax planning it's all it's more complex ways to solve clients problems because the simple things they can a lot of times they can do on their own so but in you in your industry what is it possible for all of a sudden for eBay to come in and jump in the industry and all of a sudden these buyers and sellers going online and they're they're being bidding online and they're done 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, to an effect there is. I mean, you know, there's auction.com where people can actually go online and auction off their houses. Okay. Um, and I, I don't necessarily suggest that. Right. You know, you have a reserve and and, and you do that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's still kind of beta. Um, there's a lot of loss there, and there's a lot of lawsuits that come out of situations like that. So basically that's uh, either take it as is or something exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. So you have to go and check it out and do all the all of the inspections beforehand or you don't actually get the opportunity to do inspections it's it, you know it's one of those things what right now um, where they say the auction begins on this date and it ends five days later this is the reserve price you don't have the opportunity to walk through the house and this is both residential and commercial uh, it's commercial. it's it's residential actually I don't think that they do it on the commercial level right now um, just because commercial doesn't exist exactly have true forms they're usually set up by attorneys because they're set up on special deals okay. and that's a fundamental difference between residential residential actually uses trek forms which is um, forms that are comprised by um, six attorneys and two residential um, agents that have been yeah. elected to put together those forms um, which are from um, which are formed by that um, committee and on the commercial side every commercial deal is put together strictly by attorneys specific for that deal but I think you know you know we have to kind of figure out how do we bring extra value to someone um, rather than you know here this this um, you know uh, this client or, or whoever is, is looking at a listing finds finds a listing on MLS um, then goes to see the property and and uh, you know they th there's we we have to figure out how to just bring this additional value to the to the client where um, they feel like hey I, I've really been um, I've, I've really I had a number one the good experience but also I've gotten my money's worth by you know dealing with this professional who's given me so much insight that they I'm, I had no idea about yeah you know well I, mean? I, I think if you've if you've gone through the experience with with the right agent I mean I there's some horror stories out there but if you've gone through the experience with the right agent you've got an agent that's not only educated you about the house that you're getting ready to buy um, they've brought in the right team for you. You know, I one of the things that I do is, in addition to opening the door for you and walking the house for you, we make sure that that house is going to fit your lifestyle, the lifestyle that you're asking it to fit. We we walk through the house. We make sure that everything that we physically see is correct. If there's something that we flag, like if we see a change in the texture of the ceiling, that's a red flag that maybe there's been a leak, maybe there's been some kind of fundamental change, and we notate that. That's something that we're going to ask when we initially show interest in the house to the, um, the listing agent. Hey, why is there a change in the ceiling here? Was there a leak? Was there something funky there and we want an explanation we want to know what happened there so it doesn't happen again and was it repaired was it repaired professionally do you have a receipt blah 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 
and, and we want backup materials and that way we've got something that we can put in a notebook later because eventually we're going to resell that house and if, if we don't correct that ceiling then we're going to have some splaining to do ourselves otherwise we're going to correct that ceiling but we just want to make sure that the issue itself the fundamental cause of that has been changed we also then bring in an inspector my inspectors that i choose i, I choose um to not only deeply explore the house from roof to foundation but i want them to educate my clients about the house i want them to educate them how to use everything in the house what kind of water system if it's a PIX system that works like a, a utility breaker box but for the water system where they can just turn off one item at a time or if it's just a regular pvc system i want them to know where the drips are coming from so the water heater can let them know it's having a problem or so the ac system can let them know if it's having a problem i want them to know where the drainage system is so they can uncap it so it drains out if there's a stoppage and not inside the house i want them yeah. to know where fundamental pieces are inside the house so they know how the house works yeah. so they're yeah. really educated and then um i make sure that they know fundamentally where you know just from the survey that they understand to the title i want them to truly understand the house that they're going to buy and then i walk them through all of the steps that we're going to undergo so they understand why we're going through each of the steps i don't just say you're you know tomorrow we're doing this the next day we're doing this the next day we're doing this i want them to know why we're doing these things and um and, and i find that it's a that walking them through the steps there's a good appreciation for it as we go through it is there a, did the, do you guys have a feng shui expert uh, we actually do. I I, I have one on my team that I have people because so people you come are in and just kind of cleanse the, the bad. <laughs> no, the but bad I do. Juju. I have a feng shui. I have a feng shui decorator that comes in and will help people that are interested in learning feng shui. I, I did at a lot of my open houses that um, will educate people at an open house about how to decorate with feng shui, how to set things up in feng shui where you've got like a mirror in front of a toilet or uh, so you've got one exit over another exit and it does it does i i gotta tell you my feng shui person told me to put a red ribbon on my telephone and i would get more sales calls i did and i did are you serious i did i'm telling you Okay, now I, it has to, you have to do a test where you put a blue ribbon on there. <laughs> I'm not going to give up my cells. If it works, it works. You go put a blue ribbon on your phone and see if you get cells. Okay, does it work on the iPhone too? Um, I don't have. Well, you that's why I got red here. You that's red. that's why I chose red on the back of my um, phone for feng shui purposes. I want to get one of those shaman or, or these 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 people that are. Will come in and, and they uh, you know they got like a burning bush and they. I they will tell you, that, that my house. my couple did buy the house that the girl was in the chimney and we did have the house blast. We had a priest walk through and do his little crisscross applesauce smoky sage thing all the way through the it house. It just tells you, hey, for the right for the right price. It, it it's it's whatever makes your client feel good about the property that they have, emotionally, spiritually, financially mentally do it do it it's 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 for your clients peace of mind it if it makes them feel good 
the house, the property, the school zone. Everything that, was right for them. That had do to it be, for them. That had to be at least at least a twenty percent discount for <laughs> we got a great price we negotiated a, a great price for, for a dead body in the well, attic it, it had been removed <laughs> and it was in the fireplace what do you think <laughs> what do you think is going to be because you know you know we live in the houston market and all i see is i mean we've had on my side we've had you know close to 10 years of everything going up and up and up and up sure and um i see you know, apartment buildings being built all over the place. It's, it's, and just a matter, and I, and I tell my clients, you know, it's just a matter of time. There's nothing we can do about that. That's mm -hmm. just kind of how the things, you know, they go up, they go down. They, on a long, on a longer scale, they go up, but shorter term, they'll go up and down. So how do you, how do you kind of prep your clients for the eventuality of some type of a correction or whatever that may be? I, I, I tell my, I'm truthful with my clients. Um, you know, right now we're three years past our 10 year decline. Um, we, you know, every 10 years we should be having a little bit of sink in the housing market and we're three years behind. One of the things that's working in our advantage in Houston, Texas right now is that we have a lot of downsizing going across the nation. Houston's one of those outside the bubble places. Um, when oil and gas downsizes, a lot of people come home to Houston. So, if you will, picture Exxon's going to the Woodlands and they're bringing home 65,000 people. Uh, we've got Chevron that's bringing in 25,000 people, then they're downsized. Um, Shell's just moved from downtown westward. We've got a new stem cell center coming in that's bringing in 25,000 people. So that's going to be good for the city of Pearland that's bringing in lots of technology and techs and, and, and lower paying jobs and that people are going to be able to afford homes in the 350 400,000 market and that's 20 15 to 20 minutes away from the medical center and so that's building up so we've got a lot of good infrastructure our our housing market in terms of construction is 10 months ahead so we've got some really good stuff we've got cranes in the sky so it looks really good from that point of view we've got people that have been here for a while that are currently buying some new stuff so the older stuff is now coming up on the market um right now it's a great time to buy um the interest rates have gone up a quarter um it looks like they're going to go back down a quarter so they're going to level off um everything's looking really good as a buyer right now my thing is when i talk to my clients i tell them if you're going to buy buy the house that you're going to be in at least for seven to ten years because a you're paying interest for that amount of time and then you start paying on principal um, but don't just buy short term right now if you if you're looking in certain areas like the heights rice military cottage grove um and um rice you maybe maybe rice university i think that one's kind of leveling off but some of them you can get a good six to eight percent year over year even during bad times and um that's better than the s p which is only giving you 5.8 so you've got a good investment going 
if you're if you're if you're just looking for a home you might want to start just watching you know stay where you are and invest in the S&P um, because then you're just going to be solid at 5.8 so you have to start looking at investment right now and um, apartment rentals are you know some of the condos are now turning into apartment rentals because we've overbuilt a lot of the high rises, we've overbuilt a lot of the mid rises, we've overbuilt a lot of the condos, and now those are turning into rentals because um, those tend to be the first ones to mm -hmm. um, start to show those yeah. signs. So we're starting to level off. Well, the crazy thing is, you know, with any with any investment, it's did we die? No. Uh, um, with any investment, it's so many different things play into it. You know, it's when do you, when did you buy it? You know, how much did you pay for it? I mean, with um, stocks and bonds, I mean, if you're if you overpay for something, then your return is not going to be as good. Uh, compared to someone who knew when to buy, they saw value, and they bought it at the right at the right time. Absolutely, it's the same thing with it's the same thing with anything. You can you can overpay for a car. Mm -hmm. You can overpay for a house. You can overpay for a a stock, and then instead of you know uh, seven, eight, nine percent return, you know you barely going to break even over time because you're just making up. Yeah, you, so you it's, have to. It's, it's, it's so, it's so. You know, you, you know have to I mean? be in front of the trend. That's 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 the thing. You know, like that's why I questioned Rice University is because Rice University is almost all built out. Yeah. If you, if you were in front of the trend, you would be collecting really good. I, I got into the heights at you know in 1994 before it had started to turn. So I'm making great dividends on my investment on my house. Saying you know if you're investing in Cottage Grove right now, you're going to make great investment on your return. Get in, get an MCC credit, homestead and sit on your money. You know there's an old saying, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And that's the important thing. But do it in the right area. If you get in an area where you're following the trend, then you're chasing the money. Don't chase money. Get in at the head of the trend so you can reap the benefits of that reward when other people start building and raising your value. Yeah. Um, that's the important thing. And the most, uh, I think, you know, a lot of times, the most but one of the most important things is, is also, um, you know, having a competent individual that's, you know, professional is going to be guiding you. And number two, you know, you've got to do some research on your own, you know, on your own too. If, if, you know, if you're jumping into something and then you later on find out, hey, you know, I completely missed the mark here. Well, I mean, you have... As as a as an investor, you do have some responsibility on educating yourself and knowing exactly what you're getting into. Now, I understand um, that you need to be explained the risks and the rewards of this of, of each individual investment, uh, whether it's a property or uh, it's a it's a stock or a bond. But then at the same time, 
you need to understand what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so you can't just go into it blindly and not mm -hmm. and 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 close your eyes and think that hoping that that's gonna gonna work out okay. Yeah. And, and don't let ego make you afraid to ask questions. A lot of people get into that situation where they want to keep up with the Joneses versus being the Joneses. Don't don't look at a neighborhood and say, I don't want to live here because of this neighborhood. It hasn't quite turned. Yeah. Think of it as when it turns, if construction's already starting to go on, because that's the neighborhood you really actually do want to be in. You want to be a part of the change, not it after it's changed, because yeah. then it's it's too late. Yeah. You're, you're getting 4% versus the 8%. You do want that 8%. Well, this is good. Well, we, we almost did an hour. All right. This is good stuff. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do this again. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Uh, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right.